Welcome to Disability and the Canadian Church, a podcast where we talk about the intersections of disability and the Christian faith in Canada and beyond. I'm Keith Dow. And I'm Jasmine Duckworth. We'll be your hosts, and we're so glad you're joining us today. We're excited to learn from diverse voices as we welcome a couple of guests each week to share their insights and expertise on aspects of disability and faith. Today we're speaking with Chantal Hunick and Ray Alice. Chantal is a motivational speaker, author, and social justice advocate. She's a coordinator of organizational and spiritual life for Christian Horizons and has founded Faith and Wheelpower Ministries. Chantal is a Christian Reform chaplain and a Waterloo Regional Counselor. Ray Ellis is a member and leader of the Ottawa Kingston chapter of Our Voices Matter, a self-advocacy group. He represents his local chapter at the Our Voices Matter Council, which is made up of self-advocacy leaders from across Ontario. Ray has a long history of self-advocacy and leadership. He loves politics, being involved in his community, and wants people to know that his disability means he can't speak or walk, but he does enjoy having fun. Keith, what stood out to you from our conversation today with Chantel and Ray? So I found it really helpful to think about uh, the work of advocacy, not only how much effort that involves, but the different things that are at stake in a community setting. How does that work? How do allies come alongside people? How can I be a part of that work without trying to take over or um, do too much interpretation? And then how does that fit within church communities? What, what's the role of the leader? What's the role of um, you know other people who are in the congregation? How do we all come together to make it a space that is um, really welcoming and invites that kind of advocacy and, um, and celebration of people's gifts? What about you? What stood out from today? Something Chantel said about um, that it's kind of a constant teeter-totter feeling um, for people that might have access needs there's a debate, an internal debate being like, is this something I should speak up about? Or is this something I should just power through on my own? And that internal debate can go on for quite a long time before they actually might decide to speak up. And so that when people do speak up, it's important that others listen because they're not speaking up lightly. And I know from previous conversations that I've had with Chantel and Ray, that um, Ray has felt that internal struggle as well. So I I really appreciated hearing her articulate that today because I think it's an important lesson. And now to the interview. Hi, welcome everyone. We're very excited to have you here with us today, Ray and Chantel. Do you want to each say hi? Hi! Awesome. So everybody's had a chance to hear. Keith, do you want to say hi too? Oh, I sure would. Hello, everyone. Now everybody's heard our voices and they can tell us apart. Um, Before we get into the content, let's talk a little bit about our voices and how we speak, because this podcast is a little different than some of the others in this series, um, because Ray, you don't speak out loud with very many words, correct? You do use yes and no very frequently. So do you want to let the listeners hear what a yes sounds like? And can you let them hear what a no sounds like? No. Awesome. 
And you and I have done a lot of um, presenting together and we email back and forth all the time because you type using the headrest on your uh, wheelchair. And so we email frequently and then we use that information to speak together. And you've emailed us a lot of answers in advance for today, right? And so every time we do a presentation, we start by explaining that um, we consider it co-speaking. Because you give me your words in advance, and then you borrow my voice to say them out loud. And so a lot of what we end up saying is a mix of my words and a mix of your words all coming out of my mouth. But people need to know it's both of us that created it. Cool. All right. So let maybe we should let people know how we know each other and um, how we got connected for today. So Chantel and Ray and I, us three, we had a reading circle during the pandemic, and we would get together each week and read books and talk about it um, and get to know each other. And so um, it felt like a natural connection to have you both together on the podcast because you know each other well and you have a lot of similarities in terms of your passions around access and advocacy, which is what we're talking about today. And politics. And politics, that's right. We have a mutual mutual love of politics. Absolutely. All right. So let's start. My first question for you guys is, how have you advocated for yourself and for others? So Chantel, do you want to talk first? Yeah. So I was born with cerebral palsy and um, through my life, uh, my mom always encouraged me to advocate for myself to remember that um, I was meant to do and access anything that anyone else was meant to access and she uh, very early on instilled in me if there are holes or broken pieces of this system part of my mission was that um god would empower me to fix them or make them better and i know um part of my training is in ministry the other part of it is, is in social work in social work we're often trained to make sure that we don't ha- have a per- personal vested interest in what we're advocating for and while i see the logic of that because you don't want to benefit personally from something that you're um paid to do or supporting others to do at the same time i have found that um Coming from uh, an issue with a sense of personal experience and um, that ability to speak into it is um, often what captivates people's interest at first and secondly keeps them listening long enough that we can make a difference. So whenever I'm advocating, it's usually out of something that firstly impacts me, but that I know will also impact others. And I try to broaden whatever cause I'm striving for to make sure that I'm not the only person benefiting. Awesome. Thanks, Chantel. And Ray, we have the same question for you. How have you advocated for yourself and for others? And so for this, would you like me to help you answer that? Okay, so you're currently um, the, you're in a local self-advocacy group called Our Voices Matter, Ottawa, Kingston. And then you represent that group at a provincial council of self-advocacy groups. And in there, you advocate for, you, you 
empower each other to advocate in your daily lives, right? And because you are all people that use Christian Horizon services, you as a group advocate to Christian Horizons for better care and better systems and better policies. Yeah. And you serve on a few different committees with different managers and employees to try to make Christian Horizons better. Yeah. And as uh, in your group, your Our Voices Matter group, and you personally, you also advocate to the government to make the community better. I know you frequently email your MP and your MPP. Is that right? Yeah. On all sorts of things. And your MP actually knows you by name because you've had such long correspondence with him through email. Yeah. Which has been really great because then when the Our Voices Matter group has written a letter and sent it to multiple MPs, we hear back from yours and he actually wrote a letter on the group's behalf to the minister Partly because the group was advocating, yeah. but also because you personally have been advocating and have built a relationship with him. Yeah. He was able to hear the group's request much more quickly than some of the other MPPs yeah. that he wrote to. Yeah. So that shows how you advocate for yourself, but also for others, because you advocate individually and also collaboratively with yeah. the group. And you've been doing that way longer than I've known you. Yeah. Yeah. I also know that you are watching out for what other people might need beyond beyond what you might need. I know yeah. last, last week you were in a meeting and um, you guys were asked to review some posters and give input, right? Yeah. And you brought up that there should be also French language posters for people who speak French. Which I thought was a great example of this advocacy because you don't speak French and yet you know that that is a need that exists. So it, I know that you are always aware of both. What, like what Chantel said, the things that you need, but also the things that others need. So people can't see your body language, but we can. And your body language is a big part of your communicating. You're very enthusiastically agreeing with what we're saying, right? Yeah. Excellent. No, I think it's really helpful to hear some of the work that you're each doing and then also how you've been involved in this uh, over the years as well. Yeah, it's been really helpful to hear from both of you kind of what that looks looked like in your lives. Um, the next question we were wondering about and and the the podcast is on disability in the Canadian church. And so we're talking about self-advocacy and advocacy more generally. Um, but for, for some of us, we may not have had that much experience with advocacy or, or self-advocacy or what that might or might not look like in church contexts. Um, so let's go back to, to basics for a second and ask, what does self-advocacy mean to you? Like, what does, what does that look like? Um, or maybe go back to Ray here for, for a moment. And I know, Ray, you shared some words uh, with us um, where you said, I am very powerful when I advocate. Um, and I, I thought that was really helpful that you shared that with us. Hey. And I know uh, I met I met you. I think it might have been for the first time we were having a, a Christmas party, and I had a chance to to meet you. Uh, and and I felt like I I knew so much about you already because of all your advocacy works. And so. I haven't had a lot of chance to to hang out with you as you've been advocating for different things, but it was um, it was really neat to see all the effects that you're having in your community and uh, with Christian Horizons and and with other organizations 
as well. So I can see that sense of, of power and the difference that you're making there. Yeah. Uh, and Chantel, over to you. What what does self advocacy look to you look like to you, or, or mean to you? Yeah. Well, not to sound like a broken record or a broken podcast, as it will, but I think self advocacy is as much about myself as it is about um, uh, making the world better for others, or or the the church or the workplace or whatever that looks like. And I think. Um, Self-advocacy, in my mind, isn't about making myself necessarily have privileges that others do not, but at least I'm pushing for equity and leveling the playing field. Do you feel like it's almost a misnomer? Like when we talk about self-advocacy, self really features prominently there. But what I hear you saying is that it it changes or it transforms the community for everyone, right? So when you're advocating, yes, part, a piece of that might be um, for your own needs or to, for your own contributions, um, but it sounds like a big piece of that is often to, to change the structures of our community to welcome and include more people. Would that be accurate? Yeah, well, and I get where the word self comes from in self-advocacy because it's kind of like a pushback against the nothing about us without us, right? It's it's not someone else advocating for me. It's me advocating for myself and others. So in that sense, I'm not against the word self in self-advocacy, but it is a bit of a misnomer, I think, like you said. And I think the biggest example of that is... Um, from a Christian perspective, Christ or the Holy Spirit is the advocate, and he never in his life ever advocated for himself, right? It was always for the betterment of the world. Yeah, that's really helpful. So why is self-advocacy important to you? I think you both have touched on it, but Ray, you emailed us um some words for this. You said, it is important to me because it's part of my life. If I didn't, I probably wouldn't have any of what I have now. And you, you shared a story to illustrate that. Would you like me to read your story? Okay. You said, I advocated at the time when I got into Christian Horizons, when we moved to Ottawa, that was about 12 years ago now. Is that right, Ray? Yes. When we moved to Ottawa, I moved to a group home with another agency. It was great because I could chat with your housemates and they chatted with me. We had fun, especially over dinner times, but it was only about a year when the director told us that they had to tear down the group home because um, the government had told them to build assisted living apartments. Everyone was upset, of course. She made a lot of promises that we could still see each other and there would be a TV room, but it didn't happen. So then I started emailing my MPP about group homes. And that's how you found Christian Horizons, right? So that's a great example showing why it's important to you because you've had real change in your life from advocating. Chantel, do you have a similar story or an example that you could share about why self-advocacy is important to you? Yeah, I do. Um, 
Self-advocacy is first and foremost important because oppression exists and oppression of um, people of, of varying abilities especially exists. And I know in my own life, I often struggle with the line between is this something in the environment or in the culture that I am meant to adapt to or is this something in the environment or the culture that I'm meant to adjust or shift or advocate for different um and most recently, where I felt very impacted by that, I became a regional council member in Waterloo. Uh, loving my role there, was very stunned by uh, the length of council meetings and the fact that most people, you know, when they have to use the washroom, got out, got up, and went to the washroom whenever they needed to, and came back as quickly as possible so that they could. Vote, vote and continue contributing and so forth. For me, that's a little bit different because I have to coordinate with PSWs and things take a lot, a little bit longer. And so I was really stuck with, well, if I advocate for um, uh, scheduled washroom breaks, let's say, will that make me more of an annoyance to the council in general or less of a council member per se? Um, um, I got up the courage to write an email and really it shouldn't have taken a lot of courage at all. Um, that email explaining my experience was very well received and within 24 hours, um, uh, mandatory quote-unquote bio breaks of 20 to 30 minutes were instilled in our schedule, which for me allows just enough time to take a washroom break when I need it. But for others, um, they felt very empowered to not only use the washroom, but make a phone call or check in with home. And so um, the result of that was, first of all, I witnessed that um, or rather, first of all, I was very thankful that the council didn't out me. It wasn't like, hey, we need to take a break so Chantal can go meet her PSW. It was, we're all going to take a bio break. Um, secondly, because no one knew it was necessarily me who said, so this is an issue for me, um, then I got to witness kind of behind the scenes the benefits that it had of other people saying, oh, I'm so glad we get to take a 20-minute break at 4 o'clock because I really need to make a phone call or I really need to take a walk or I really need to use the washroom. So unexpected benefits. Yeah, well, it's such a great example. And it goes back to what you were talking about before as well, about how self-advocacy is not only for you, but it's for um, others. It's for people, right? And uh, I think that example highlights how human humanizing our spaces, humanizing our communities uh, makes such a difference, right? I'm sure there were people that were scrambling before, just entirely focused on productivity at their council meetings. Um, without that space to be able to think, oh, I wonder how my families are doing right now. I should check in with them or, you know, maybe I can uh, touch base with somebody on or maybe I can just have that that human connection point with somebody and say hi and, and check in with them. Right. Those types of things that, that can be transformative in our experiences. Um, 
And, and I think it's also a powerful example and maybe a challenge to church communities to hear how the council responded to that as well. If I think about needs when they're raised in our church communities, how are those responded to? Are they seen as an opportunity to change the way that things work so that they work for everyone? Or are they seen as, oh, this is this is going to change everything, right? We have to have more time for X, Y, or Z. And I suspect the group of people that we're talking with right now um, who are listening to us on this podcast, thank you for listening, everyone. Um, our, our number one, uh, a group of seasoned ad- advocates who often feel like a pain in the butt and wonder if they should advocate for things yeah. or not. And so, yeah, secondly, people who, you know, are, are kind of teetering on the fence of like, should I, is this worthy to advocate for? Should I uh, speak up or stand up or do something about this? Um, and know that, like that, that teetering on the fence doesn't end, right? With everything that I, I, um, speak to or advocate for, I, teeter with is this worthy of my time and effort and is this something that god would want me to and um thankfully i thought my washroom breaks were worthy of time and effort because apparently others did too and uh i don't i don't know how anyone can be productive in a 14-hour council meeting straight but we don't do that anymore so yeah, and and like you're saying, that work of advocacy uh, can be so important, so crucial to remind us of our humanness, of our of our needs, but also making space for us to contribute to the best of our abilities. Right? If, if we don't have those breaks, if we don't have those pauses, um, then we're not going to be able to engage very well in the conversations or the work that's ahead of us. Um, and this kind of ties into to uh, another question that we had is around, um, uh, and you were referencing this before as well, Chantal, is that people speaking for themselves, speaking, people speaking to their own needs is so, is so crucial that that's not um, always being interpreted through other people. Um, but, but there is a place for a community, for um, other people in a church, et cetera, to come alongside and support in different ways. I know, Ray, we, we talked to you about this and, and asked, uh, how can people come alongside self-advocates? And you were suggesting that um, helping to set up, um, you said they can help us set up if people need it. And I loved how you you phrased that. I'll, I'll say a bit of what that, that means to me, and you can um, correct me if I'm wrong, say, say if I'm off base here. Um, but when I think of the, the Our Voices Matter advocacy group, I know a lot of the work that Jasmine and others have done is really to create a space um, for you and others to come together, uh, share share your perspectives, have that heard, and have that go forward to make a difference, to make changes some way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like that's been quite helpful to have a, a space for that, right? And and the other thing that I see in in what you've said here is helping to set up that space uh, also implies that you kind of step back when people are um, so allies will step back when when people people are there to speak for themselves or to advocate for themselves um, and not not taking over everything 
but kind of helping to set that up. Is that, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I think that's so helpful. Um, and you say that it's also important. This is something you sent to us. It's really important that people don't make decisions for you. They don't uh, make yeah. decisions for self-advocates, yeah. um, but have that, that conversation or that dialogue or work together to figure out what that, that should look like. If I can add um, with that, Ray, I know that your work in self-advocacy, you have allies in lots of different ways, people that are helping you set up. There's, like Keith talked about, people like me and the others who actually help with your group, right? So I'm on the Zoom call with you and, you know, taking notes for your group. But then there's also the staff at your home that make sure that you have a computer open and that you're connected to Zoom and that your microphone works. And, and, Allies in all of these places are equally important because um, if you didn't have somebody logging you on to like this this podcast today, the staff yeah. in your home made sure it was in the calendar, made sure that um, they had a computer ready for you when you needed it and you worked with them to set it up and we're so appreciative of that. And then there's ad- allies like Keith and I who want to listen and get your story out there, um, but all are important. Yeah. Um. So, so I I love I love talking about how allies can can support advocates and self advocates, and I love the the thought of setup. Thank you, Ray. That's such a good it's such a good setup, and it's exactly that's that's the point I think. And um, just to go back to my my earlier comment because I think this relates when you hear. Um, somebody advocating for something, your needs or jerk reaction might be, um, oh, there they go being a pain in the butt again, right? But remember that before they've thought of bringing this to anyone's attention, including yours, they've probably teetered with, do I have any right to bring this up? Is this at all worthy of anyone's attention? Or am I going to be seen as just the pain in the butt again? Um, so to take people seriously ongoing and to, to refrain from writing them off as much as possible. Well, and I want to pick up on that, um, because it can be hard to bring up things, especially if you feel like you're the the squeaky wheel or whatever. (laughs) And, and some of us, I know for myself, I have, I have a critical mind that's always looking for how things can be better, which is a, a, a blessing and a curse. So um, help us think, Chantel and Ray, how do you, what spaces are easier to bring things up in? I, I think of, for instance, inviting feedback. Um, surveys is one way to do that. It's maybe not the most enjoyable way to do that all the time, but touching base with people after an event maybe and saying, hey, how did that go? Um, even better, asking ahead of an event uh, or a church service or a change in programming or whatever that looks like, uh, checking in with people and saying, hey, is this going to work? Is, is Are the things that we could do in advance to prepare better? Those are a couple of thoughts that come to mind. But what um, what ways can our communities be more receptive to that that feedback? I have two thoughts, and then maybe Ray will have something to contribute as well. Um, so... I recently had a conversation with a pastor who referred to themselves as a recovering ableist. 
before they said, please tell us how you enjoy our, our church and what the experience has been for you and how can we improve and, and what can what can we do better? And the fact that he, first of all, um, not defaced himself, but brought himself lower by referring to himself as recovering ableist, noting that A, he was aware of the problem of ableism and B, he wasn't above, above it. And then... Um, encouraging me to give honest feedback. That was a huge piece. Um, the other spaces in my life in which I've been most open are spaces where others have led. And so um, prior to the reading circle with um, Ray and Jasmine, I never would have imagined a, Ray, um, a reading circle. I, I commonly wished I could read books, but just didn't read them if I couldn't access them on audio. It wasn't a book for me. Um, but it was because um, I think um, in the initial phase of getting to know Jasmine, I thought I, I saw her being very open, um, like offering visual reminders of what her disability looks like and also speaking about it very openly. And then having the invitation to say, hey, would you speak at this book club? I kind of think kind of very off the cuff. I kind of just said, yeah, I would love to speak at your book club, but you'll have to read me the book first because I have no way of accessing it. Um, I don't know, Jasmine, maybe it happened a little bit differently than that for you, but just opening the door to being honest about what we are and what we're not capable of doing. Yeah, I, I find that as well. And it's funny that you you were telling me that as we were preparing this podcast, you were telling me that me being open about my barriers and my access needs has made you feel more comfortable sometimes to ask for what you need. But I feel the same in reverse because I've known you um, longer than I've been disabled. And so I've seen you for years advocating for yourself and your access needs, which gave me permission to advocate for myself once I gained a disability. And so I think, um, yeah, like you said, learn, where other people are already leading in that, it's easier to follow an example that's been set. But I also think the the relationship and the mentorship of one person with disabilities to another can be really helpful to build those advocacy skills. And so I've been really grateful for all the, the people in my life that have mentored me in what it is to live with disability um, and how to advocate. I think one of the things I treasure most about a reading circle, and Ray, I really want to involve you in this too, so make sure that you contribute what you want to contribute. Um, but I think one of the biggest blessings of it for me is that is that um, there's no ideal of normalcy, right? There's, there's Jasmine who, to put it totally politically incorrectly, Jasmine can't breathe. Ray can't speak. I can't walk a right or see. Like, like, there's no normality there at all. But it's it's normal because it's normal that we're all there together and somehow make it work. I think to answer the the question that Keith started at us off on this topic is, um, in what spaces is it easier to to advocate? Um, Ray, something that you and I have talked about a lot through emails, or you've mentioned a lot through emails, is when people take the time to talk with you and to listen to you, you feel much more comfortable to share 
what your thoughts are and what your needs are. Is that you will frequently tell me by name the people in your life that take the time to listen and that you really appreciate that space they're creating and the time they give you so that you can speak up. And I think that's what our reading circle did for the three of us. It was every week we met together and we had an allotted amount of time and we gave each other that space to speak. So, um, I think that's one of the the tips is just giving time, a consistent commitment of time and mm. allowing relationships to build, uh, create spaces for people to um, feel safe enough to speak up and to have the opportunities to speak up. Ray, I love that you note and you recognize the people that give you space to speak um, because I, I can relate to that in the sense of like the day after I was um, elected to council, I kind of uh, was was really overwhelmed and scared because running for council is a lot different than working on council and how am I going to get all this work done and what, you know, what about all these barriers and so on and so forth. And I wrote a extremely long, extremely detailed email thinking that, well, they're only going to read one quarter of it. So if it's really long, they'll, they'll probably catch something important, you know? And I was really um, surprised. I'm almost uh, like overwhelmed with shock when they called me an hour later and said, Chantal, just to reassure you, we're going to do everything. And I said, what do you mean we're going to do everything? We read your email. We'll have it fixed in 48 hours. I was like, what? Like, that doesn't happen. But the fact that it wasn't rejected out, out of the gate made me all the more inclined to say, you know, maybe they won't hate me for asking for a washroom break every four or five hours. Yeah. On. On yep. this topic of giving space to speak, Ray, you um, you type using your headrest and you have a computer that speaks the words out loud for you. I, I want to check, do you have anything that you want to type yeah. and say? Yeah. Have you been typing already? Yeah. Is it ready to go now? Yeah. Not yet. Okay. Um, do you want to take some time to finish yeah. working on it? Yeah. Should we pause the conversation or should we keep going while you type? Yeah. Okay. And we'll check back in, in a few minutes. Okay. So I feel like a lot of what we've been talking about uh, recently has been, how do we create a culture of advocacy, a culture where people are not afraid to bring forward concerns, but actually feel like, those are valued and valued not only for the person themselves, but for the broader community that, and, and we know that chances are if somebody has a concern, if somebody has a need, then there are going to be others uh, in the congregation or in the community who either have that need or who have a similar need, right? When we think of, we've been talking a lot about time and I do want to encourage uh, John Swinnon's Becoming Friends of Time as a, a, a book that helps us to think how uh, how time impacts our lives and then how, how we shape time uh, in a way that's either really receptive to others or 
makes life difficult for others, quite honestly. Um, but as we're thinking about advocacy, uh, Ray had me- mentioned something here that I wanted to bring forward that we had asked how how churches can be involved in this, how churches can um, help shape a culture of advocacy, basically. And Ray, you said uh, the church can let church leadership um, know what things are not accessible, and then uh, they can help us to advocate. And and I love that you brought forward the role of leadership in communities. Um, and the leader may or may not be disabled themselves, but whatever whatever role you find yourself in, how do you how are you a part of that picture? And I know so often in church communities, when the pastor or a ministry leader or children's leader helps to model um, being receptive to feedback and and kind of approaching that in a humble way helps to model uh, normalizing different ways of engaging with the service or with the the children's ministry or what ha- what have you um, when they work to help ex- uh, address things that aren't accessible that makes such a difference to everyone in the congregation because because everybody starts to feel like oh yeah they will listen to me they will respond they will uh, engage with me in a meaningful way so I wanted to thank you for that. Uh, Ray and for sharing that. Can I, Ray, can I help you tell a story about um, church? Do you remember the book club? So the church that I attend had a children's book club and they were reading a book about a girl with disabilities because our church had a a month-long series on disability and they invited you to come as a guest speaker. And that, that was a great way to advocate just by inviting you into the space and getting you to connect with the kids and they could ask you any questions they had for you. And I thought they were going to ask you questions about disability, but they didn't, did they? They asked typical kid questions. What's your favorite color? Um, What's your favorite animal? Things like that. And it was just a really great opportunity for them to get to know somebody who might be different than them and to learn a new way of communicating, right? Because you typed out all your answers and they waited patiently to hear what you had to say and they were very interested. I think that's a really great concrete example of church um, advocating just by starting starting by understanding. I've never heard or put together the fact that advocacy starts with with understanding, but I think Jasmine's really hit on something there. And I know for myself, like um I receive government support in order to have PSWs help me with personal care and um, a couple of other uh, tasks of daily living that I need, but I don't receive paid support for things like advocacy work. And so I think that the the church um, is an excellent source of informal support and um, can forward the initiatives of people with and without disabilities alike. And I think also um, church is a place where it's okay to fail, not only because Jesus forgives us all, um, but because because it's less like 
a paid work environment, right? And so there's less of this emphasis, or there should be less of this em emphasis on competing for the best job in the church, whatever. Um, church was a place where I could try out different skills and see which ones worked and which ones didn't. And where if it didn't work, people did, still loved me and still encouraged me to do other things. Can you imagine if the church was just a no pressure zone? I mean, <laughs> I think I think we all need those kinds of spaces where you're not feeling pressured to be somebody other than yourself, right? And I would I would love for us to to work as churches in Canada, but also around the world to be no pressure zones. Like to me, that's that's what grace looks like. Grace looks like being able to try things, being able to say things sometimes, and then being able to take them back later because I've decided I've disagreed with myself, right? Or being able to put something in one way and then um, and then have watch people like think about it and be like, well, no, I think what I meant was, right? To be able to, to try things out, to be there for each other, to be committed to each other, um, to build trust with each other. Um, yeah, I love, I love how you, you shared about that, Chantal. There were many churches in my life who didn't really empower me to do many things. They thought, first and foremost, that they were there to serve me. And secondly, whatever I did might end up in a mess. And it's true, I spill milk all the time. That's why I don't pour it. Um, but um, one church in my young adulthood, they said, we're going to counsel or we're going to cancel VBS unless someone steps up to lead it, no pun intended. And I was the only person to put my hand up to lead Vacation Bible School and, you know, 20 years old or something like this. And they went for it. They gave me a budget of a bunch of supplies and they said, tell us what to do and we'll, we'll I volunteer for you. We'll, and like, I mean, it wasn't the most perfect Bible school, but, but without my quote-unquote initiative, it would have been canceled together, and without the church's endorsements, it would not, wouldn't, wouldn't have got it, got off the ground. So we needed each other to make it work. Chantal, I think you said something really important there, is that churches, in your experience, have sometimes thought that they were there to serve you, to minister to you. Um, but the example you gave was a church that was very quick to recognize your gifts and empower you to minister alongside others in the church. And I think that is a really great example of churches advocating for full inclusion and belonging and participation of people with disabilities is um, that idea of co-laboring, partnering, ministering together, recognizing that everybody has gifts to bring. Um, people with disabilities and without um, can equally serve and be served and minister to and, you know, be ministered, get ministry from and, you know, work together as a team. I agree, Jasmine, but and I just want to underscore the um, the reciprocity of that because I've also seen it where, um, not necessarily in church, but school or, or whatever, where I, I um, have this idea and I want to run with it. And so people say, okay, go run with it. And they forget that I can't run. Um, um, and inevitably, the idea falls flat. And it, it's not necessarily because the idea wasn't viable in the first place, but 
It's very hard for any one person to run things on their own. It's very hard for one person that has disabilities that others don't or disadvantages or whatever you want to call them to to get something off the ground. Just wanted to check back in with Ray if you had if uh now is a good time to to share what you were writing or Hey. Are you still typing, Ray? Yeah. Oh, this is a long one. Well, we look forward to it. Okay, we've we've been talking about um, why advocacy in the church is important in terms of practical reasons, but we also know that advocacy in the church is important because we see it in Scripture. Chantel, you're a chaplain and you know Scripture. Can you think of any verses or examples that um, give us a biblical precedent for why churches should be advocating um, alongside people that may have uh, extra needs or access needs? I would be glad to do that, but not just because I'm a chaplain. I know that you know these things too, and you're not a chaplain. So, um, yeah, I think if, uh, throughout Scripture we see we see um, Jesus advocating for the people who are are marginalized or decentered all the way through. Um, in particular, I love the verse that says um, the Spirit in intercedes or advocates for us in with with groans that that we cannot understand so even before i know what's right in the world uh the holy spirit knows it and is working together with me and so even though advocacy or self-advocacy as it were can seem very lonely because you might be the only one or the only small group that's standing up for this thing that everyone else thinks is nonsense, like a washroom break or whatever it might be. Um, I, I, I t- take a lot of courage and solace from the fact that uh, Jesus or Jesus Holy Spirit does it with me. And um, one of the very first um, uh, verses that I, I learned in... in um, that I think relates really well to advocacy is Proverbs 31 9. Jasmine, do you want to read that for us? Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor. So I was born two months prematurely and and Many people in that circumstance do not have the ability to articulate with words or or verbally. Um, and so, again, my family instilled in me the fact that God has enabled you this capacity to be able to speak means that you have to take it seriously and you have to steward it, really. Um, you have to think, think before you speak, and and speak about what you think. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that as as Christians, as people that are hopefully in continuous relationship with Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to activate or advocate for what Jesus tells us is right. To connect those two verses that you just talked about, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. But we also heard that the Holy Spirit intercedes through wordless groans. So not necessarily using language. And I think if we connect those two ideas, speaking up is not always with articulate, eloquent, public speaking from the front on the stage language. Speaking up can be in whatever way you communicate. Right, right? 
there there can be powerful communication with and without words. And I think all those kinds of speaking up is important. So I feel the temptation sometimes in our circles and our churches um, to almost distinguish between people who need to advocate or people who need accessibility or um, and and those who maybe don't need it or who can get by based on whatever the current system is. And I think that's that's really a challenging way to think. And it, it kind of excludes those who who bring back feedback or um, say something could be changed to be better. Um, but what strikes me is there's the verse, I think you alluded to this before, Chantel, first John two verse one um, is talking about if, if I write to you so that you will not sin, this is uh, John talking, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And what I love about the potential of following Christ is that we all need advocacy. We all need someone to go before us. We all are unable to give a defense on our behalf to God the Father to say, you know, what we need. And and you also refer to the Spirit groaning in our weaknesses. Um, and this verse is about Jesus being our advocate. So how does that, for you, Chantel, how does that change our approach in the church to advocacy? Does that Does that shift our perspective? Well, I'm going to go away and try to figure out who needs to advocate for themselves and who doesn't and who should be justified in advocating for themselves and who shouldn't be. But um, I, I think you're right. I think sin is a great equalizer, right? You know, like ability and disability, I was talking about the level playing field and how disparate that can be. Um, but But even though I'm in a wheelchair, I do things that Jesus doesn't like. And even though you're not in a wheelchair, you do things that Jesus doesn't like. Um, and the fact of the matter is, and the reason that it's okay to, to fail or to fall sometimes, not that failure is a sin, but um, it's a less than perfection, is because um, Jesus, the advocate, will, will um, intercede for our forgiveness and ultimate acceptance. So that's pretty awesome. I like being on an equal playing field with you. It's good. And it's good to know too that uh, that we can, just as Jesus advocates for us, we can advocate for each other too, right? It might not be in the area of moral shortcoming, um, but whatever that area is that we need uh, some assistance to advocate for, coming together in solidarity to, to work on those things together uh, makes it not quite so isolating as well if we see that change is needed in the church. Yeah, I think you're right. I think as we see Jesus um, advocating for others and showing solidarity with them, and we're called to become more Christ-like as our uh, faith walk progresses, then then we're called to do that too. But also, I think, note that Jesus didn't do those kind of things apart from us, right? Like, like the, the nothing about us without us applies to Jesus, too, in the sense of, like, he came, he doesn't just advocate for us from heaven's, heaven's throne. He came down to earth and advocated for us in, in body as well as in spirit. 
So when you're advocating for others, make sure that as much as possible, you're doing it with them. Yeah, and we see that in uh, Jesus' interactions when he was here on earth too, right? Checking in with people to say, hey, do you wish to be made well, right? Is this something that you're looking for or not? And uh, that, that, what What can can I do do for for you? you? Yeah, exactly. I think that's an important reminder. And I think, I I think as a person with disabilities, I really had to learn that it was okay to answer that question, what can I do for you? And that I didn't have to say, oh, nothing, it's fine. That I could actually list manageable things that people could do to better my life. And then I could give them a list of things, or maybe not a list of things, but a conversation of things of, these are some of the skills that I have or the ways that I can better your life. That really goes back to the reciprocity piece you were talking about before too, right? Where um, people are able to share their gifts with one another, share share what you have and receive in return for, our, for what our needs are. It's so crucial. Jesus gives and receives our love. Are we ready for Ray? Do you have your sentence finished? Hey. <laughs> I am the trait speak up because I will be punished for but since I moved to see HIV, although I can speak about Polish, especially with you, Jasmine. Okay, I caught the beginning part. You said, I'm afraid to speak up. And then you talked about when you moved at Christian Horizons. I didn't catch the last part. Can you pray, play it again? I am afraid to speak up because I will be punished for but since I moved to see HIV, although I can speak about Polish, especially with you, Jasmine. Since you moved at CH, you feel like you can speak up through Christian through Our Voices Matter. Did you say that? And is it especially with you, Jasmine? Yeah, I heard that at the end, especially with Jasmine. I just in the middle. It's so fast. I'm missing pieces. Would you? I I turned my volume up all the way. Would you play it one more time? I'm missing like two words. You said, I'm afraid to speak up because I feel like I will be pushed or out. Watched. Pushed out. It wasn't punished, was it? Yeah. Like yeah. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Good interpretation. You feel like you will be punished. Okay. And was that before coming to Christian Horizons? Yeah. And now at Christian Horizons, do you still feel that way? No. Okay. Okay. That's great. I'm glad that you feel a difference and that you're in a place in your life now where you feel like you've been empowered to speak up without fear of punishment or consequences. That's awesome. That is what we want. Thanks for, thanks for telling us that, Ray. I think that's the kind of environment that we're all looking for, right? Where, where anybody can, can speak up and not have a sense of fear, right? Um, whether that's our church communities or our, uh, the communities that we live in, our neighborhoods, um, council communities, whatever, whatever situation you find yourself in. Yeah. Chantal, you've shared before how advocacy, self-advocacy, it can be exhausting, 
right? It can be uh, challenging. It can be difficult, especially when maybe when you're uh, encountering barriers, but, but also just the work of figuring out how to phrase things, how to bring things forward, the potential of getting pushback, um, maybe meeting with resistance, all those types of things. How, how do you recommend that either, either for self-advocates or for church communities, um, how, do we, how do we find that rest or how can we create spaces of rest for people? Keith, thank you for bringing that up. And uh, because even just talking about self-advocacy for an hour, like I'm, I'm tired now and we've only talked about it. We haven't really done it yet. Um, um, and uh, the, I mean, church is an interesting intersection, right? Because in one, in one, in one sense, um, God has gifted me to advocate at church as much as he's adv- uh, asked me to advocate anywhere else in my life. But at the same time, um, by the time I get to, to Sunday, after doing all of the advocacy that I've done in all of the other um, circles that I'm a part of, sometimes I just want to relax. And in fact, like Psalm 23 talks about, like, he leads us by quiet and still waters, right? And green pastures and rest and all of that. Um, and one of the hugest attributes of my, the congregation that I'm part of currently that I would consider very accessible for me, um, by the time by the time I got there, they already had um, an automatic door. They didn't need elevators. They already had large print bulletins and all kinds of extra things that allowed me to relax and participate without thinking about it in ways that I couldn't do in other spheres of my life. Yeah, and those uh, and coming across those almost sends a signal or a message that it's okay to mention those things here. Like this is something that we prioritize, and and maybe even that gives some more room to um, to know that you're not going to maybe meet with the same amount of resistance that you do in other places. Well, and the sense of like I'm not an anomaly because I need a large print liturgy. Like I had never seen that in another church. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that. Well, thank you, Chantal and Ray, uh, for your time together. It's been so meaningful and helpful for uh, for us all. Um, and we t- typically check in with people about ways that we can stay connected, right? And I know that you each do advocacy work. You each do um, you're involved in groups in that way too. And I know Jasmine and I are available as well to speak with church communities. So feel free, uh, listeners, to reach out to us at ministry at christian-horizons.org. Um, that email address will be in the the notes as well for this show. Uh, we're happy to continue the conversation. And as well, if you want to check out writing and reflections from Ray and Chantel, uh, do visit the Disability and Faith Forum at disabilityandfaith.org. Thanks again, each, for your time together and and your insights today. If you liked today's episode, please take a moment to review us on Apple Podcasts or other platforms. It helps people to find this podcast. And why not share this episode with a friend? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us an email at ministry.com at christian-horizons.org. This podcast has been brought to you by Christian Horizons and is part of the New Leaf Podcast Network. Christian Horizons is a faith-based organization out of Canada. We serve people with intellectual and developmental disabilities in Ontario, Saskatchewan, and in several countries around the world through Christian Horizons Global. 
You can find more information about us at christianhorizons.org. Special thanks to Tim Bratton and to the New Leaf Podcast Network team, and to you for listening.